Chapter Fifty Three of Snarleyow by Frederick Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Trial and execution of two of the principal personages in our history. We left Sir Robert Barclay on the deck of the cutter, the ladies and women sent down below, and Mr. Van Slyperken on the point of being dragged aft by two of Sir Robert's men. The crew of the Jungfrau, at the time, were on the lower deck, some assisting the wounded men, others talking with Jemmy Salisbury and his wife, whom they were astonished to find among the assailants. "'Why, Jemmy, how did you get a berth among those chaps?' "'I'll tell you,' said Moggy, interrupting. "'When he was last at Portsmouth, they heard him playing his fiddle and singing.' and they took such a fancy to him that they were determined to have him to amuse them in the cave. So one evening they kidnapped him, took him away by main force, and kept him a prisoner ever since. "'That's carrying the joke rather too far,' observed one of the men. "'Mein God, yes,' replied the corporal. "'But I am at liberty again now, at all events,' replied Jemmy, taking the cue from his wife, and if that chap Van Slyperken don't command the cutter any more, which I've a notion he will not, I shall enter as boatswain, eh, Dick? Yes, replied Short, who was swinging in his hammock. Well, when I found that Jemmy couldn't be found, that my dear darling duck of a husband, my jewel, a box of diamonds, aren't you, my Jemmy? "'Didn't I tear my hair and run about the streets like a mad woman?' continued Moggy. "'At last I met with Nancy Corbett, whose husband is one of the gang, "'and she told me where he was, fiddle and all, "'and I persuaded her to let me go to him, and that's why we both are here.' "'This was a good intention of Moggy's, and as there was nobody who took the trouble to disprove it, it was received as not the least apocryphal. But now Mr. Van Slyperken was dragged past them by two of the conspirators, and all the men of the Jungfrau followed on deck to see what was to take place. When Mr. Van Slyperken had been brought aft, his legs tottered and he could hardly stand. His face was livid and his lips white with fear, and he knew too well that he had little mercy to expect. "'Now, sir,' said Sir Robert, with a stern air, "'hear the accusation against you, "'for although we may be lawless, we will still be just. "'You voluntarily entered into our service and received our pay. "'You are one of us, with only this difference, "'that we have taken up the cause from principle and loyalty, "'and you joined us from mercenary motives. "'Still, we kept our faith with you, for every service performed you are well and honorably paid. But you received our money and turned against us, revealed our secrets, and gave information to your government by which that gentleman, pointing to Ramsay, and many others, had not they fortunately received timely notice, would have perished by the gibbet. Now, sir, I wish to know what you can bring forward in your defense. What have you to urge that you should not die the death which you so traitorously prepared for others? Die? 
exclaimed Vanslyperken. No, no, mercy, sir, mercy. I am not fit to die. Few are, but this is certain, that a villain like you is not fit to live. On my knees I ask mercy, cried the frightened wretch, dropping down. Mr. Ramsay, speak for me. I will speak, replied Ramsay, but not for you. I will show you that even if you were to escape us, you would still be hung. For all your extracts of the dispatches I have, with full explanation, put into the hands of the English government. Do you expect mercy from them? They have not shown much as yet. Oh, God! Oh, God! exclaimed Vanslyperken, throwing himself down on the deck in despair. Now, my lads, you have heard the charges against this man, and also that he has no defense to offer. What is your sentence? Death, exclaimed the conspirators. You men belonging to the cutter, you have heard that this man has betrayed the present government of England, in whose pay and service he was at the time. What is your opinion? Hereupon Obadiah Cobble hitched up his trousers and said, Why, as a matter of opinion, I agrees with you, sir, whomsoever you may be. Mein God, yes, sir, exclaimed the corporal. And all the crew cried out together, Death, death, which, by the by, was very mutinous. You perceive that you are doubly condemned as a double traitor, said Sir Robert. So prepare to die. The religion you profess I know not, but the time you will be allowed to make your peace with your God is fifteen minutes. Oh, groaned Van Slyperken, with his face to the deck. Up there, my lads, and get a whip on the yard-arm, said Ramsay. Some of the party went to obey the order, and they were assisted by the seamen of the Jungfrau. But while they were getting the whip ready on the starboard, Jimmy Ducks was very quietly employed getting another on the larboard yard arm, which nobody took notice of. As soon as the whip and the cord with the hangman's noose made fast to it were all ready, it was reported to Sir Robert by Corporal Van Spitter, who stepped up to him with his usual military salute. Sir Robert took off his hat in return. His watch had been held in his hand from the time that he had passed sentence upon Van Slyperken, who still remained prostrate on the deck. It is my duty to inform you, sir, that but five minutes are left of the time awarded to you, said Sir Robert to Van Slyperken. Five minutes! exclaimed Van Slyperken, jumping up from the deck. But five minutes! To die in five minutes? continued he, looking up with horror at the rope at the yard-arm, and the fatal noose at the end of it, held in the hand of Corporal Van Spitter. Stop! I have gold, plenty of gold. I can purchase my life. Kingdoms would not purchase it, said Sir Robert scornfully. Oh! exclaimed Vanslyperken, wringing his hands. Must I leave all my gold? You have but two minutes, sir, observed Sir Robert. Let the rope be put round his neck. This office was performed by Corporal Van Spitter. The corporal was quite an amateur. Mercy, mercy, 
cried Vanslyperken, again falling on his knees and holding up his hands. Call upon heaven for mercy. You have but one minute left. But here an interruption took place. A female made her appearance on the other side of the deck, dragging by a cord the hero of our novel, Snarleyow, who held back with all his power, shirking his head to the right and to the left, but it was of no use. He was dragged opposite to where Van Slyperken knelt. As the reader may guess, this person was Smallbones, who had tied on a bonnet and muffled up his face so as not to be observed when he first went on board. Jemmy Ducks now assisted, and the whip on the larboard yard arm was made fast to a cord with a running noose for the hanging of the cur. The sight roused Van Slyperken. "'My dog!' exclaimed he. "'Woman, leave that dog alone. Who are you that dare touch my dog?' The female turned round, threw off her bonnet and handkerchief, and exhibited to the terrified lieutenant the face of the supposed departed Smallbones. "'Smallbones!' exclaimed the crew of the Jungfrau in a breath. "'God of mercy, help me! God of mercy!' cried Van Slyperken, aghast. "'I suppose that you do come for to go for to know me now, anyhow,' said Smallbones. "'Hath the sea given up its dead?' replied Van Slyperken, in a hollow voice. "'No, it aren't, cause why? I never was a drown,' replied Smallbones. "'No thanks to you, though.' "'But if so be as I supposes, you are going to be hung. As I'm a good Christian, I'll forgive you. That is, if you'll be hung, you know.' Van Slyperken, who now perceived that Smallbones had been, by some miracle, preserved, recovered himself. "'If you forgive me,' replied Van Slyperken, "'then pray do not ill-treat my dog.' "'I's not forgiven him, anyhow. I owes him enough, and now I'll have his account settled, by gum. When you goes up there, he goes up here, as sure as I'm Peter Smallbones.' "'Be merciful!' exclaimed Van Slyperken, who, strange to say, forgot his own miseries in pleading for his darling cur. "'He be a convicted traitor, and he shall die, by gum!' cried Smallbones, smacking his fist into the palm of his hand. During the conversation the time allotted to Van Slyperken had long expired, but the interest occasioned by it had inclined Sir Robert to wait till it was over. "'Enough!' cried Sir Robert. "'Your time is too long expired. Commend your soul to God. Let the rope be manned.' "'Now, Jemmy, stand by to toddle forwards,' cried Smallbones. "'One moment. I ask for but one moment,' cried Van Slyperken, much agitated. "'Only one moment, sir.' "'For what?' "'To kiss my poor dog,' replied Van Slyperken, bursting into tears. Strange and almost ridiculous as was the appeal, there was a seriousness and a pathos in Van Slyperken's words, and a manner which affected those who were present like a gleam of sunshine. This one feeling which was unalloyed with baser metal shone upon the close of a worthless and wicked life, Sir Robert nodded his head, 
and Vanslyperken walked with his rope round his neck over to where the dog was held by Smallbones, bent over the cur and kissed it again and again. Enough, cried Sir Robert, bring him back. Corporal Van Spitter took hold of Vanslyperken by the arm and dragged him to the other side of the deck. The unfortunate wretch was wholly absorbed in the fate of his cur, who had endeavored to follow his master. His eyes were fixed upon Snarleyow, and Snarleyow's were fixed upon his master. Thus they were permitted to remain for a few seconds when Sir Robert gave the signal. Away went the line of men who had manned the starboard whip, and away went Jimmy Ducks on the larboard side, and at the yard-arms of the cutter were suspended the bodies of Van Slyperken and Snarleyow. Thus perished one of the greatest scoundrels and one of the vilest curs which ever existed. They were damnable in their lives, and in their deaths they were not divided. By the manuscript records found in the Jacobite papers, it appears that the double execution took place on the 3rd of August, in the year of our Lord, 1700. End of chapter 53 Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond, North Carolina